Well, good morning, ladies. Trust that uh, you each slept well, and if you didn't, like Rebecca, well, trust the Lord to sustain you, right? <laughs> I've been where she's at, and uh, it's challenging, but the Lord is always faithful, though, right? And there's always tonight. That's the way I look at it. There's always tonight. And just think how great you're going to sleep tonight. Like a baby. He gives his beloved sleep. So it's good to see each of you this morning. And I was. So how many of you were not here last night? Oh, wow. Quite a few of you. All right. How many of you were here, but you really weren't here? (laughs) I couldn't tell if you were convicted or asleep. I don't know. It was like this glaze look like... I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, um, was a was a difficult message. I understand, and I think it's because we are, as I mentioned, we are living in a an age where the gospel and the scriptures are watered down, and so we don't really hear messages like that very much. So, but we do need to be reminded of our calling. So, last night we began uh, looking at how to live in this crazy world we're living in by remembering we must be dedicated, like the suffering soldier, the submissive athlete, and the sweating farmer. And then Paul gave a strong admonition you better consider what I'm saying, think about it, ponder it. And uh, I hope you did. And I hope that you uh, thought about it and thought about changes you need to make in your life in order to be the soldier that God wants us to be, the athlete and the farmer. So this morning, as I mentioned last night, we're going to take a little break from looking at a text of Scripture, but I'm going to use various passages of God's Word uh, to talk to you about uh, being disciplined. Uh, You know, Paul says we are to discipline ourselves to godliness. And uh, we are living in an age where we are so um, prone to navigate our lives through um, entertainment and our phones and you know we can't seem to live without them I don't know why but uh, that is sucking our devotional life it's sucking the disciplines uh, that we have before us and so I want to talk to you a little bit about remembering to be disciplined in the truth and uh, give you some very what I hope will be very practical things that will help you in your spiritual walk I was talking to a lady uh, just before we got started and she said the church here is going through uh, Barbara Hughes spiritual disciplines which is very good also Donald Whitney's uh, book on spiritual disciplines is very excellent but um, I also want to give you some some tips and helps maybe to have you more have a more effective time in the word and prayer speaking of prayer let's pray all right Dear Father, thank you so much for this time together with these ladies. Thank you for uh, the time that we get to be fellowshipping with one another. Thank you for the time that we get to praise you through song. Thank you for the time we get to spend in your word. And Lord, we are just so grateful. We thank you for the different churches that are represented here this morning. And I thank you for each lady who has come I pray for those who wanted to be here but were unable for some reason or another, Lord, that you would use the recorded messages to encourage them and strengthen them also in their spiritual walks. Father, I pray that we would uh, have energy for this day. I know it's a lot of teaching and a lot of interacting with one another, but I pray that you would clear our minds and our hearts to receive your word, that you would prepare the hearts, that they would be soft and pliable, And I pray that no woman in here would be stiff-necked or resistant to the Spirit's prompting in her life. I pray that, Father, we would be uh, doers of your word as well as hearers this morning. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you would give the strength that is needed for all of us. And I pray, Father, it would be for your glory that we would put you on display, Father, that we would want to sing and honor this great God that we just talked about. Lord, we do these things for you. It's not for our glory, but for your glory. We want the world to see Christ in us. We want our fellow brothers and sisters to see Christ in us, to go through life uh, with confidence and assurance that you are our great God. And so, Father, it's in your Son, Jesus' name, my Lord and Savior, I pray. Amen. Well, when the Lord saved me um, over 35 years ago, uh, he put an insatiable desire in my heart for his word. Even though I was a pastor's daughter and a pastor's wife, um, I read my Bible because it was my duty. And, uh, and sometimes I dreaded reading it because it was pretty convicting. But when the Lord saved me after 10 years into my marriage, some of you know my testimony, so I won't go into that. But suffice to say that for the first 10 years of my marriage, I pretty much uh, was not the excellent wife, you know, more like a, a nagging wife. And, and uh, so I really tore my marriage down brick by brick by my attitude of uh, not only being unsubmissive to my husband, but to the Lord. I had a ter terrible temper and on and on I could go with all my wretched sins, but we're not here to talk about my sins. And uh, those are covered under the blood of Christ now. Thank God for that. But uh, when the Lord saved me, I noticed that when he saved me that the things that I used to do out of duty because I was a pastor's wife and once a pastor's daughter, I started doing for delight. I couldn't wait for Doug to go off to seminary so I could get my Bible out, my commentaries, and start studying the Word. I was like, get those kids to school and get him off to seminary. And, and uh, I wanted to know God's Word. I had an insatiable desire and still do. And you know, that's the same for all of us, right? Because the promise of the new covenant is that he gives us a new heart. He puts his spirit within us and he causes us to walk in his ways. And so that's nothing new. All of you in here that know Christ, that's happened to you too. And yet, even though we know that's part of the promise of the new covenant, I often have met women who have a very difficult time being disciplined in the word and prayer. They have the desire, but they don't know how to get started. They don't know how to have a more effective time in the word and prayer. The most common excuse that I've heard through the years is, I don't have time. And you know what that equates? I won't make time, because ladies, we all have 24 hours in the day, right? And we do what we want to do. In fact, often I've had women keep a journal when they say, I don't have time. And I'll say, well, let's look at your time schedule. Let me help you. And uh, why don't you keep a journal of what you do all week? And then let's bring it back and I'll look it over. And you know, it's amazing the amount of time we can waste. Uh, two to four hours a day on social media. I find that a lot. People will go, well, I look at Facebook, Instagram, and, and all this, but I don't have time to be face-to-face -face with God. That's a problem. I remember I was doing a conference not that long ago, and uh, one of the ladies said she was so convicted, and she said, I found that I was nursing my baby girl, and she said, while I was nursing her, I was checking my Facebook account to see how many likes I had on what I had posted. And she said, I was so convicted after you were here, I decided to use my nursing time to memorize God's word. And she said, I'm memorizing 10 verses a day now during the nursing time. And I sent her an email back and I said, you know what? 
your baby girl is going to benefit far more from your knowing God's Word and memorization of God's Word than checking your Facebook page to see how many people liked your post. And she admitted, she said, it's all a pride issue. I want to see, you know, how many likes I can get. And ladies, we all do that. We all get sucked into the world. We talked about that last night. We have to be good soldiers. We can't be involved in the affairs of this life. And that doesn't mean you can't have a Facebook page. You just can't allow it to suck your devotional life away from the Lord. And so, ladies, often the fault lies with us. That's why we're not disciplined. It lies with us. It's not the Lord's problem. It's our problem. And so with that in mind, what I want to do in our time together is talk to you about the important time uh, topic of disciplining yourself in the word and prayer. And I'm going to give you 10 important keys, and they're in the acrostic discipline. You should have an outline there before you. So the first thing that you must do if you want to have be disciplined in the word and prayer is you have to have a desire for the word and delight in the word. You have to have a desire for the word and delight in the word. Ladies, if you do not have a desire to be in the word, you will not be disciplined. You will not be disciplined. Peter says we're to desire the word like that newborn baby, like that lady who, who was nursing her baby girl. And you know what it's like when you have a newborn. I remember, I'm not that old. I mean, I am old, but I'm not that old. My daughter says, Mom, you're too old to be a widow. But I am, I am old. And, uh, but, you know, we do. We, we know what that was like. I would just finish nursing them, and they wanted to, you know, two or three hours later, they were hungry again. We are to have that desire uh, for the word of God. I remember when my daughter was growing up and uh, she took piano lessons and she was quite good. And in fact, she could just sit down and play without really any music. And I remember she didn't, she didn't really like it. And so we eventually, you know, we realized it was more of a struggle than a blessing. So we quit the piano lessons. And, you know, she's 41 years old now. And to my knowledge, she has never sat down and played the piano since those years that she was forced to do it. And you know why? She doesn't have a desire. She doesn't have a desire. My friend, if you do not have a desire to know the word or talk to God in prayer, that will be a huge hindrance to any discipline. And I would encourage you to ask yourself why. Why don't you have a desire? You know, before Peter says, desire the, the pure milk of the word like that newborn baby, right before that he says you've got to get rid of all these sins. And so some of you may be nibbling at things of the world, and that's why you have no desire for the word of God. Um, I remember a young lady in my church I was discipling for several years, and I finally quit after nine because she, uh, I wasn't able to help her. I don't know if she's redeemed or not, but I remember asking her about her time in the word. And she said, yeah, I read my Bible every day. And I said, do you enjoy it? And she said, no, I don't. I said, well, that's a problem. That's a problem. There's no appetite. There's no desire. Ladies, if you have no appetite for God's word, you might want to examine yourself. Because that's a promise of the new covenant. He causes us to walk in his ways. It is a delight to spend time in God's word. Secondly, I would encourage you to see if there's any sin in your life. If you say, well, I know for sure I'm redeemed, I know I'm a believer, there's been changes, but right now I really don't have a desire for God's word, then ask yourself, am I nibbling at the things of the world? What is keeping me from having that desire? Secondly, if you desire to be disciplined, the I, idols must be put away. Idols must be put away. 
It's interesting, when God gave Ezekiel that promise in the new covenant, I will cause you to walk in my ways, I will put my spirit within you. Do you know part of that new covenant had to do with idols? Listen to this. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. From all your idols. You might say, well, I don't have any idols, Susan. I don't have a Buddha in my house. I don't have, I don't have any idols in my house. Ladies, an idol is just simply something that you love more than God. An idol is something you think about, something you spend time on, money, and energy on. It is something that you are more loyal to than God. Remember what Sermon on the Mount says, you can't serve God and what? Money. You can't serve both. Ladies, every one of us in this room have propensities to idolatry. And a good exercise to do is to keep a record for one week of where your time, your money, and your energies go. It might be a revealer of idolatry. In fact, a few years ago, one of the ladies who I disciple, she's a golf pro and she's a LPG, LPGA golf professional. And uh, so I said, Maggie, you know what I want for my birthday? I said, because uh, I grew up playing softball and I like to be active and I've always kind of liked sports. And uh, when my husband was alive, there was a time I took uh, golf lessons from her. She was a Mormon then, now she's a Christian and she's on fire for Christ. But anyway, um, I took golf lessons in order to you know, kind of hang out with him more. And so I said, you know what I want for my birthday? I said, I haven't picked up a golf club in a while. I said, I want you to give me a golf lesson. And she said, okay, great, come down to the course and I'll do it. So I did, and I went down there, and, and she's always telling me, like, she said, Susan, you hit it like a softball. you got to do this. And I go, no, I want to do that. And uh, there we go. So anyway, uh, so she said, you know, I don't know, I'm hopeless. But anyway, when I left there, I was like, hmm, I've got, man, maybe see, how could I fit this into my schedule, you know? And all of a sudden, the dear Holy Spirit of God, there was that reminder. Do you know how much, first of all, how much time it, plays, it takes to play a round of golf? like four hours, and then, you know, the expense of getting clubs and buying the balls and that whole thing. And pretty soon I had this check in my spirit. Not that golf is sinful, not that I will not ever shoot, you know, uh, hit some, even though she'll probably cringe every time she sees me do that. But there was a check in my spirit that golf could soon become an idol, a God that would take my loyalty away from the true God. And I know that from growing up playing softball. I would leave my kids and play in all-night tournaments and, and uh, leave my husband with the children. That was before Christ. Now, as I said, there's nothing wrong with golf. There's nothing wrong with playing sports. But ladies, if that's a loyalty that you have over your relationship with God, that's a problem, isn't it? It's kind of what we talked about last night, getting entangled with the affairs of this life. The third thing you must do if you desire to have a disciplined time in the Word and prayer is the S. Spend ample time. Spend ample time. Ladies, you cannot be stingy with God. Has God been stingy with you? Did not God pour out His Son's blood on your behalf? God is not stingy with you. You cannot be stingy with God. You know, when I was growing up in a Baptist minister's home, we used to sing a hymn called Take Time to Be Holy. We don't take time to be holy. We want instant potatoes, you know, instant pot, instant everything. We do not want 
and we want instant sanctification. We don't want to take time to be holy. Ladies, a disciplined, godly life is not for the faint-hearted. It might mean you need to get up early. It might mean you need to stay up late. Whatever works for you. I tell women all the time, what works for you? When are you the most alert? Uh, it might mean that you have to be like Susanna Wesley. Do you know Susanna Wesley? You think you girls have it rough. She had 19 children. 19 children. And early in her life, she vowed she would never spend more time in leisure entertainment than she did in prayer and Bible study. And even in the most busiest of days, do you know every day, Susanna Wesley, 17 children now, keep that in mind, she would, two hours a day, she would pull her apron over her head. And it was known as the tent of meeting. And even the littlest ones, the little toddlers were known, we do not bother mama, <laughs> unless it's an emergency. And you know, in that two hours that she spent every day with the Lord, she studied God's word, she prayed. You know, out of her came Charles and John Wesley. But she prayed, she studied, and she, the uh, history tells us that this woman had a profound understanding of the word of God. Two hours a day with 17 children. Ladies, I would encourage you, if you, uh, you know, have, I don't know if any, may anybody in here have 17 children? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I was one of seven when I was growing up. So, but find time. There's lots of different things you can do. I know women that tell their, their children don't come out of bed till mommy comes in the bedroom to get you. And believe me, uh, I will be a better mommy if you'll just wait and let me spend time with the Lord. Nap time, there's, there's many ways. You might have to pull your apron over your head uh, for two hours. I don't know. But ladies, we find time to do what we want to do, right? Don't be stingy with God. The fourth thing that will help you in being disciplined is the C, cultivate daily habits. Cultivate daily habits. We all have habits, right? How many of you brushed your teeth today? Okay, well, nobody did, so I <laughs> don't come and talk to me unless you, yeah, so put your, if you wear contacts, I used to wear contacts, I don't anymore, my eye doctor says, I don't know what's wrong with you, but your eyes get better every year, so I've gotten to throw those things away. Uh, put your contacts in, your makeup on, uh, walking. I try to walk every day. I didn't get to it this morning but because uh, Rebecca picked this up at some crazy hour like 7.30. But I do try to walk every day. But we all have things we do every day, right? We brush our teeth. We comb our hair. We put our makeup on. We put our glasses on. We, whatever we do. Why don't we cultivate daily disciplines of Bible study and prayer? And again, ladies, it might mean that you have to do what Jesus did. He got up early in the morning. Sometimes he spent all night in prayer to God. It might be saying no to something you really want to do. Ladies, you wouldn't think about going a day without cleaning your teeth, or at least I hope you wouldn't. So why would you think about going a day without cleaning your soul through the word and prayer? Jesus said in John 15, now are you clean through the word that I have spoken to you. And a helpful hint I would like to give here when we consider this principle is this. 
you know, many times you can be praying, uh, you can be memorizing God's word, uh, you can be listening to God's word. I know women that have to work and they drive long hours to get to work or they have a lot of different things going on. Listen to the Bible uh, while you're driving. I memorize scripture while I'm driving. I remember, I, this. don't do this, don't do this at home, but one time I, I used to pin, uh, tape my scripture to the steering wheel and um, Anyway, I was, I was taking a lady home, and I was going down a hill, and it was 40 miles an hour, and all of a sudden I found myself going 45, and here comes the police officer. And he pulled me over, and he said, Ma'am, I appreciate your scripture, but I'm going to give you a ticket. And uh, so that used to be my method. I'd have it right there. And, and, and uh, I'm not telling you to do that. And not, you know, it's about as texting and driving. But when I would come to a stoplight, I'd grab a phrase, and uh, you know, while I was driving the next mile, I could work on that phrase. But... There's a lots of things. My husband used to laugh at me. He said, I wish the women could see you. He said, there you are in the bathroom floor. You're doing your sit-ups, drying your hair, and memorizing scripture all at the same time. So uh, there are a lot of ways that you can, you know, doing your laundry. I always keep my scriptures uh, in the laundry room when I'm washing clothes or ironing. And so there's a lot of ways that you can, you would be surprised how much idle time you have that you can cultivate, listening to God's word, memorize, praying. We're to be praying throughout the day, right? Uh, I think you should have a set, aside, set aside a time to pray, but you should be praying without ceasing. And so just praying throughout the day. Next on our list of essentials is the, another I. It's important to understand proper hermeneutics. If you want to have an effective time in the word, it's in, now don't get scared at that word. I'll explain it in just a minute. Important to understand proper hermeneutics. Ladies, if you want meaningful time in Bible study, you must do it correctly. Studying random verses out of their context will lead you to error. Reading devotional literature only will lead to error and spiritual anemia. Now, hermeneutics is not a scary word. Don't let it scare you. All it means is method of interpretation. You know, the Bible says we have a more sure word of prophecy by which you do well to take heed and no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, you don't take a scripture and interpret it by itself. You have to look at what? The context. And so, ladies, I would encourage you, don't read random verses, don't read devotional literature. Uh, unless it's really solid devotional literature, because there's a lot of junk out there. That's why I believe women are so caught up in false teachers. They don't know proper hermeneutics, how to read their Bible, how to study the Bible. Um, when I'm studying a portion of God's Word, I always memorize it. I don't teach a book of the Bible without memorizing it first. Uh, that is one of the best Bible study methods I know. Uh, so I'm going to give you an example of what that would look like. Let's say you're you're reading through, uh, let's say you're reading through Philippians or something, you know, and so you take a portion of scripture and you bombard it with questions. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, change my mind on Philippians. I'm going to just use John 3, 16, because we all know that, right? You guys all know John 3, 16, right? For God's sake, okay, you do, all right. Everybody knows John 3, 16. So let's say you're studying John, you're studying John chapter 3, Nicodemus and Jesus. But you come to John 3, 16, and you know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you're looking at how to do this, okay, you could ask questions like, who is God? Who's his son? What does begotten mean? What does the world mean? What is everlasting life? When did God give his son? How does a person believe in him? Why would a holy God love a sinful world? And ladies, 
I'm telling you, you could take John 3.16 and bombard it with 100 questions at least. And you know what? The more questions you ask a text, the more accurate your interpretation will be. The less you observe, the worse your interpretation will be and your application. Um, and so I would encourage you to do that. Bible study takes time. Um, and usually after I do that, I endeavor to find answers from the text itself. Do you know the Bible is a great commentary on itself? You know what we do? We find our favorite preacher or our favorite commentary, and we find, we say, oh, yeah, that's the answer to, no. How about look at the word of God itself? Remember, no prophecy of as any private interpretation, but you look at all of Scripture. The less you observe, the more you will make, be like, likely to be in error. So I look at the Bible itself. What does it say? What is John 3.16? What does it say before? What does it say after? What's the context? And ladies, it's a great commentary on itself. After that, I would encourage you, if you do not have any good Greek or Hebrew helps, you should get some. Get a good Bible software. Uh, I know Bible Hub, Bible, Bible Gateway, which are free. Uh, you can get on there and look at the meaning because, you know, words change. When I was growing up, gay meant, you know, to be happy. You know, we're to be, yeah, oh, you're gay, yeah, I'm happy. But today, if someone would say that, what would that mean? You're a lesbian, right? And by the way, uh, gays are not happy today. But, uh, and so words change, but they don't in the Bible. God meant to say one thing, but we've got to find out what that one thing means, right? So get a good Greek, uh, Hebrew uh, study Bible, get some good software that will help you to interpret properly. Um, the last thing I do is turn to commentaries because ladies, men are men at best, okay? Uh, they're not God. Uh, there's some great commentaries out there. There's some lousy commentaries out there. And that's one of the things I'm going to miss about my husband going to heaven is, uh, first of all, he was my living commentary. But uh, I, I already have this list of questions. And I don't, everybody I ask, they kind of look at me like deer in the headlight. They don't know the answers. And so Rebecca said, I can ask her husband tomorrow, so I can't wait. I've got my list of questions. And, uh, but um, I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, I had a purpose. That's what happens when I get away from my notes. But anyway, um, I don't know what I was going to say, so I will, anyway, men are men. At, oh, I know what I miss. I was saying I miss about them is because anytime I'm getting ready to start a new study, um, I'm teaching my lady Second Peter, and, and we'll finish before Thanksgiving, but ne then the next semester I'm going to teach Titus, and usually I would ask my husband, what are the best, most accurate commentaries that I can use when I need to, to search for a commentary? And so I'm going to miss that because he always kept me away from the wackadoodles. So, um, but anyway... But ladies, we ha it takes time. It takes time. And you know what's so exciting? When you study the Bible for yourself and you come to some conclusions about Scripture and then you finally look at somebody you do respect and see what they say, you go, oh, I came up with that too. And you're like, yes, we have the same Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And he leads us into all truth. But ladies, when you discover it for yourself, You've got it. It's like yours. And so I would encourage you, uh, if you've never done Bible study by yourself like that, do it. You will like it. Now, you're, if you're studying a whole chapter, you might ask questions like this. What's the principal subject of this chapter? What's the main point of this chapter? Who are the persons in this chapter? What does this chapter teach me about Christ? Is there an example for me to follow, an error to avoid, command for me to obey? 
a promise to claim, a prayer for me to echo. Now, I know I've rushed through this, but I want to give you two uh, helps that you might want to look into. One is a uh, how to do inductive Bible study called The Joy of Discovery by Olita. She's a woman, Olita Wald. Um, it's a very small book, but it's really, she gives great rules of interpretation and things like that on how to do inductive Bible study. The Joy of Discovery by Olita Wald. And then... Um, Years ago, after my husband graduated from seminary in the late 80s, I took my women in Oklahoma through a series called Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks, who I believe has now gone to be with the Lord. But it's just a series of 20 videos that teaches you how to uh, observe, how to look for who, what, when, where, how, why, uh, how to interpret. And uh, I, it will, um, each of these would truly help you. Now, something that's imperative but often neglected is the P, Pray before, during, and after your study. And of course, ladies, you need to be praying all the time. You need to be praying all the time. We're to pray without ceasing. But ladies, before you sit down to read your Bible or study your Bible, I would encourage you, pray Psalm 119.18. Open my eyes that I might see wondrous things out of your law. Do you ever ask the Lord, Lord, I'm sitting down now to read your word. Would you just help me? Help me to stay focused. Help me to not be distracted. And open my eyes to see truth. Pray during your study time. Pray the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Think afterwards uh, what you're thinking. Thank God for the time, what he has taught you. Uh, One of the things that I have found to be very helpful is uh, to write a prayer based on what I read every morning in the Word. Uh, And so it keeps me focused uh, on my daily reading. Um, These are just some ways to reinforce what you're already learning. Speaking of prayer, it's imperative you spend time in prayer every day. Ladies, I hope you're praying. We need to be praying. Uh, There are, you know, we talk about living in an anti-truth world. There's so much to pray for. You know, we could spend hours and hours just in prayer. Pray without ceasing. But also set set a time set aside a time to pray. Um, I try to do this in the morning along with my Bible reading. Um, I use scripture a lot to pray. I use the Valley of Vision, which is a book of Puritan prayers, because most of the prayers that I find today that people pray are, are not rich. They're not eternal. They're not set on heavenly things. It's all about, you know, heal my ingrown toe, and I have an earache, and you know, I have a sore tooth. And, and, we, and we pray about those things. I'm not diminishing those things. We pray about everything. But often our prayers are stuck in here and now and not the eternal. Um, I pray, um, try to pray for, I used to have seven uh, siblings. I don't anymore. Two have passed and another one looks like she's going to pass. In fact, before I lost my husband, I lost my sister. And now I think I'm getting ready to lose another sister who just found out yesterday she has malignant kidney cancer. And so I... um, I was praying for all my siblings are lost except one brother who lives in Georgia. So I pray for my siblings. I have one a day. I have seven grandchildren. So guess what? They each get one day a week that grandma prays for them. And I used to pray for my husband every day, but I don't have to anymore. He's with Jesus. So I told our associate pastor, who's now our pastor, I said, I've scratched him off, but you're on my prayer list every day because, boy, he needs it. He's, he's shepherding the flock through a very difficult time. They've just lost their chief shepherd. And so uh, I, I pray for I pray for all the women I disciple, the women I counsel. And so I have uh, the people in our church, I have them divided up. I take our church directory and put all the families on one day, and I pray. And so I, 
ladies, that's not, it's good to have that. It's some type of a guideline for you to pray. Um, and so I would encourage you to do that. I pray for the lost. I pray for missionaries. I pray for uh, Jerusalem. We're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's a command in Scripture. So I do that. I pray for our president. Even though sometimes I find it difficult, I do pray for him, for his soul to be saved. And uh, so the list is really endless. Um, music is another form of worship and prayer that I've grown to love, especially since my husband has passed away. Um, I have found that listening to my favorite uh, Pandora station has really been a time of just drawing near to God and uh, he draw near to me and, and the Lord has been so kind and so good to me in the last two months uh, since my husband's home going and so I find music is a wonderful way to, to worship the Lord and to uh, sing to him and to have my mind focused upon him. Another hint that Elizabeth Elliot gave years ago that I've used uh, is to, uh, first of all, you probably need to remove your phone, you know, get that away so you're not distracted. But she also used to say that she would keep a piece of paper uh, by her desk or wherever she was studying and reading or praying. And then when she got distracted thinking, oh yeah, when I get done here, I got to go to the grocery store and buy, you know, beans for dinner. <coughs> Instead of, you know, letting that interrupt her time in the word and prayer, she'd write it down and get back. So I've made a habit of doing that as well. I keep a piece of paper uh, by my bed, which is where I read and study in the morning uh, when I'm praying and, and reading God's word. And so I keep that and then that helps me get back to what I'm doing. Ladies, I pray our souls would delight to come to the throne of grace. That should be the best part of your day, the time in the word and time in prayer. May we be desperate to pray, not to change things or people, but to change ourselves, to learn contentment, to communicate with our dearest friend, our Father. The next, and the L on your acrostic, is let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Ladies, depend on him. Don't run to other sources so quickly. Wait on the Lord. Sit still. Do you ever just sit still, think, meditate? You know, often I would find my husband, three years ago he had a stroke, and uh, for a while he couldn't read very well, and often I would find him in a chair with his head back, and I would come in, and I'd say, are you okay? And he'd go, yeah, and I'd, what are you doing? Most often he'd say, I'm praying, but then other times he'd say, I'm, I'm working on my message. And, uh, of course, my husband had a profound understanding of scripture and theology. And, uh, and he was working all these things in his mind. Do we ever take God's word and just sit and think about it? Meditate on it. And we should do that. Meditate. Think through things. Take time to be holy. Let the Holy Spirit guide you into truth. And I think this is a huge problem, especially in the Reformed circles. We're known as the frozen chosen. And uh, we have forgotten the Holy Spirit. We don't like to talk about him. Why? Because the Word of Faith movement has gone crazy the other way. And so I think we've tried to compensate so much this way that we've forgotten he's a part of the Trinity, right? And uh, so, ladies, let him be your guide. Let him teach you. Do you know he played a major role in your salvation, the Holy Spirit? Paul says it's not by work, works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. He's the one living in you right now. He's the comforter. He's the convictor. He's the one that's made you feel uncomfortable last night and making you feel uncomfortable right now. I can tell by looking at your faces. So uh, we can't forget him. We can't forget him. And so we often run to a friend, a spouse, a commentary, a website, our favorite preacher. 
before we run to him. Next, if you want to have a deeper time in the word, you must, I, increase in your knowledge. Increase in your knowledge. Ladies, you should know more about God and his word today than last year. Your prayer life should be richer and fuller this year than last year. If not, something is wrong. In fact, in our next session, we're going to look at making our calling and election sure. Add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, patience, patience, godliness, uh, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. And then Peter says, if you do these things, you will never fall. You will never fall. But ladies, we are to keep growing in those things. We don't become stagnant in our walk with God. Uh, We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, that's why I believe today so many people are in a mess theologically and biblically. They're content with status quo. Well, I know John 3.16. I know the Romans Road. I know this. And we're not growing. We should be growing. Many of you are still crawling around in your spiritual diapers, as Howard Hendricks would say. And we need to be growing our spiritual muscles. And so if you don't know more about God, more about his word, than last year at this time, something's wrong. Something is fundamentally wrong. I know women who will spend hours listening to and reading religious garbage, but refuse to spend that same amount of time with the authoritative, holy, sufficient, inspired word of God and its author. That's not right, ladies. We need to be growing, increasing in our knowledge. Next, an attitude I pray none of you have is this, the end. Never think you've arrived. You want to kill your Bible study and prayer time? Come to it with an attitude of arrogance. I know this. I don't need to pray about this. I don't need to be... Oh, I've heard this. uh, I've heard Romans before. I don't need to listen to Romans again. In fact, my husband just got done with Romans before the Lord took him home, and I'm listening to it all over again because I was like, that was so good. I'm going to just, and besides, then I can have coffee with him in the morning and listen to his teaching. And so, but ladies, coming to a text and saying, I know this, that will kill your Bible study, will kill your Bible study. Once you think you have nothing to learn or you think you know it all, you will fail. Pride comes before destruction, and destruction comes before a fall. If you think you've reached your spiritual potential, you are in danger. In fact, the Bible says, what makes you differ from another? And what do you think that you, didn't, that you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And ladies, this means you don't compare yourself with the person sitting in front of you, behind you, or beside you. Because Paul says, if you compare yourself among yourselves, you're not wise. And so you don't say, well, I know more than she does. Or maybe you feel less about yourself because, oh, she knows more than I do. Each of us is running our own rice, right? Uh, Some in here are more biblically uh, astute than others, but we're all running our own race. But we can never think that we have arrived. And ladies, the glory all goes to Christ, right? He that glories, let him glory in the Lord. Now, included in this principle, never think you've arrived, would be not only a caution for pride, but ladies, admit when you're wrong. Admit it when you're wrong. You know, I've been studying and teaching the Bible now to women for 35 years. 35 years. And uh, sometimes when I come to a text that I've never seen before, in the sense that I haven't memorized it yet, and I memorize it in its context, I've had to say, wow, I 
I was really misusing this in the past. I didn't understand it in its context. And so admit when you're wrong. Uh, ladies, it's not about being right. It's about rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what it's about. And that's one thing I appreciated much about my husband. In all the years he studied, he would admit when he's, you know, I've come to a different conclusion about this. The more I've studied, the more I've learned, I was wrong about this. And so admit when you're wrong and don't feel uh, embarrassed about that. The last principle is this, endeavor to use what you're learning. Endeavor to use what you are learning. Remember we saw last night, Paul told young Timothy, therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you've heard from me. Commit to other faithful men who will teach others also. Ladies, the things that you're learning in Bible study, you should be passing on to someone. Maybe your children, uh, maybe a discipling relationship. It might be in a casual conversation. I mean, at breakfast this morning, uh, we, were very, we were talking about various things of the Lord and, and people were sharing what they were learning or what God was teaching them. Endeavor to use what you are learning because the more you pass on what you're learning, it will implant those truths upon your mind and you'll remember them. And the same way with your prayer life. What is God doing in your life? You know, I've been, I, I became so overwhelmed with the goodness of God after my husband passed. And I was like, wow, I, I've just never seen the goodness of God like this. And the way he's taking care of me as a widow is just amazing. And then I thought, well, Dunderhead, Susan Joy Heck, start writing those things down. And so I have a little place now. Every th time the Lord uh, does something that's to me is just, I don't know, it's just overwhelmingly kind of him. I'm writing it down, and I'm sharing. Poor Debbie, you know. I was telling her yesterday when I called the hospital because they haven't sent me a bill yet, and I was wondering what 10 days in the hospital was going to look like. And uh, so I called and I said, you know, I haven't got a bill yet from, for my husband. And she looked him up, and she goes, well, you don't owe a penny. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> so I, you know, told Debbie. I said, guess what? And I called my kids. I don't owe a penny. But, um, you know, just the kindness and the goodnesses of God. And, and pass those on. That will reinforce uh, what you're doing, the things you're learning in Bible study, but also what is God doing in your life? How is he answering prayer? What are you praying for? And so pass that on. Uh, share it with others. So how can we discipline ourselves in the word and prayer? Desire the word and delight in the word. Do you have an appetite for the word of God? If not, why not? What is taking away your appetite? Is your time in the word and in prayer a delight or a dread? Do you pant for God like the deer pants for the water? Can't wait to meet with him? Again, if not, why not? Are you certain you have a living relationship with the living God? Secondly, idols must be put away. What do you love or whom do you love? Do you love that thing or that person more than you love God? What do you spend your day doing? Have you kept a journal lately to see where your time goes, your energy, your money? Remember, my friend, God will have no other idols before him. He is a jealous God when it comes to time with you. Thirdly, spend ample time. How much time do you spend in the word and prayer on a daily basis? Are you under the myth that a chapter a day will keep the devil away? Or a popcorn call to God will keep you from becoming a fraud? Are you willing to miss sleep or even a meal to have more time with God? What are you willing to give up for him? 
What is crowding your schedule that keeps you from having meaningful time with the Lord? Next, cultivate daily habits. What daily habits do you have in place right now? Brushing your teeth, putting your makeup on, exercising, eating, working, driving the kids to school, homeschooling your kids. Have you cultivated a meaningful daily discipline of time in the Word? Are you willing to put your apron over your head for two hours to be with the Lord? I. It's important to understand proper hermeneutics. Do you know the proper rules of interpretation? Do you involve yourself in serious Bible study or are you sloppy in Bible study? What are you currently studying? What are you currently memorizing? Next, pray before, during, and after your study time. And of course, you should be praying all the time. Are you in the habit of praying when you read, study, or memorize? Do you realize you cannot learn anything apart from the help of the Lord and the Holy Spirit? How has your prayer life been enriched this past year? Are you praying more or less? Are you praying more spiritual requests for others or more temporal requests? Is talking to God a delight to you or a dread? Elizabeth Elliot used to say about prayer, We are uh, reluctant to start and delighted to end, right? (laughs) Next, let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Do you rush to other sources first to get help in answering your biblical questions? Or do you pray and ask the dear Holy Spirit to help you as you study and read his word? I, increase in your knowledge. Do you know more about God this year than last year? How has it changed the way you live? Has your prayer life matured this past year? Does God answer your prayers on a daily basis? In, never think you've arrived. Do you secretly think you're more mature than others when it comes to Bible knowledge and prayer? Do you come to the word with humility and a desire to know more? Is there room for improvement when it comes to your time of prayer? E, endeavor to learn what you're learning. Who have you passed biblical truths on to this week? Are you involved in a ladies Bible study or a discipling relationship where you can pass on the things that God is teaching you? Do you eagerly share with others how God is answering prayers in your life? Ladies, we would do well to be reminded of a few things. Paul tells us as women, reject profane and old wives fables, which is what a lot of women are doing today. They're caught up in all the new and novel stuff out there in the religious world. We are to reject those things and exercise, discipline ourselves to godliness. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable not only for this life, Paul says, but for the life to come. We as women, we can get involved in all kinds of things, and they're not bad things necessarily, but we need to discipline ourselves to godliness. Ladies, we need to be involved in things that count for eternity and not for the temporal. My deepest desire is that you and I would discipline ourselves to godliness. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold and tell you how to live your life. (laughs) Be conformed to Christ and his word. It is written, seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. And I pray that you will. So ladies, please consider being disciplined in the truth in this anti-truth world by being disciplined in the word and prayer. Let's pray. 
God, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for just the joy it is, Lord, to open up these treasures, these 66 books. And Lord, the more we study, the less we know, the less we understand. Your word is eternal. And Father, I do pray that we would lay aside all things that we need to do in order to spend time in your word and in prayer. Father, I pray that we would be serious about our walks with you, that we would be disciplined. And I know that's not a word that is a favorite among many today, but Lord, we know your word says we must discipline ourselves to godliness. And so we know without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so, Father, I pray that uh, these women, including myself, will see the seriousness of this and will begin to root out those things in our daily lives that are keeping us from that special time with you in your word and in prayer. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.